I'm Ross Gordon, and this is the Interim Leader podcast, brought to you by Odgers Interim, the UK's largest provider of interim management services. This episode is a recording of a second webinar we recently hosted for interim managers on the topic of navigating remote interview and digital onboarding processes. As a follow-up to our previous episode, we asked recently placed candidates from the private sector, namely the technology and business services industries, to join us. A thank you to both Darren Lee and John Baldwin, our panellists, for taking part and sharing their recent experiences. Welcome, all of you who have signed in to our webinar. We're opening the session, which we have entitled Virtual Interview and Remote Onboarding Advice to the Interim Management Community. I really hope that you and your families and your close networks are safe and well and continue to remain so. Now, I don't think any of us imagined 2020 was going to pan out the way that it has. But our role at Odgers Interim is to support you in any way that we can. And obviously, this webinar is part of that offer to you. So just to take you through the format and process this afternoon, we've got three hosts. So I'm Sarah Shaw, and I'm a partner and the education lead for Odgers Interim. I'm going to be supported by Ross Gordon, who is a consultant, and he looks after business services and, and life sciences. And then there's also Paul Wright, who's a consultant, and he heads up the technology practice for Odgers Interim. Now, we aim to follow a sort of running order. So um, what we're going to do is take us firstly through questions around online interviewing, then offer, then onboarding, then we'll move on into enroll engagement, and obviously things like influencing by formats such as Zoom and Teams. And then if we have time, we can then talk about delivery in the role virtually. So I'm going to hand over firstly to Ross, who's going to introduce our first panellist. Good morning, all. Uh, my name is uh, Ross Gordon, and I'm going to firstly introduce you to Darren Lee, who's going to be one of our panellists, just to sort of give you some background uh, on Darren. Darren has, is a CFO. He is currently working at uh, Unipart. We placed him into Unipart back in April, which was all done virtually, which Darren will go on to, to sort of give you, talk to you about that. Um, his, his background, he, he does have a logistics background years ago, but since then he worked for the FTSE 250, uh, very widely known software business, Sage. And then since then, the, uh, the private equity backed Finastra that works in the uh, financial services space. So I'll, I'll just hand over to, to Paul, who can now introduce John. Good morning, everyone. Um, I'm Paul Wright, and I head up our technology practice here I um, would like to introduce you to John Baldwin, who is the Interim Managing Director for Higher Education at GISC, the EdTech business. John is a very interesting uh, fellow. He actually originally comes from Sarah Shaw's space, the education world, where he rose through the ranks and was a registrar. But uh, I'm not sure whether it's by accident or, or design. He wandered into the uh, software world um, by running the higher education business for Tribal Software. It's a, an aim-quoted PLC. And then came to my attention because of uh, various contacts we have, you know, the GISC were on the, on the hunt for a person who had a, a combination of education and education software and services. And, and John fitted that bill and has been working for the last six, six or seven weeks uh, as interim MD at GISC. I'm looking forward to hearing his, uh, his, his comments on how the process ran. So if we, can, if we can kick off with a question to Darren. Darren, what, your experience of the, of the virtual interview process, uh, you and I were, were in conversations uh, back in, I think it was sort of March time, uh, was it Darren? And so do you want to sort of give us your, how, how you found it and so on and so forth? 
the the process itself was was all virtual so because we were in lockdown um and and at that point we actually couldn't couldn't even leave the house um i had uh, four interviews which were all video conferences those were with individuals uh, at the company so it was the the hr director the outgoing uh, cfo the uh, man managing director of one of the largest divisions and the the chairman and C ceo i the assessment process uh, that was in place was all done remotely and then probably about five or six telephone conversations either with Rogers or with the, the HR director at Unipol. I received an offer to join the company, which was approximately three weeks after the first contact. But, and, I joined, and I joined the group on, so three days later, I actually started. What was your experience like? I mean, if you compare those four interviews in the main, did you find that interview process different on video conference? And if so, how, how did you approach that or handle it? Right, so you're staring at a screen with one or two people's heads on. It's a very sort of focused and intense conversation. For, from a personal perspective, it, it, was quite, it was quite refreshing. I put in my own uh, preparation into the process. So I knew, I found out what I needed to know about the company and the role and the individuals that I, that I was um, uh, meeting. Um, and I prepared myself accordingly for a conversation that I wanted to have, knowing the sort of questions that I would be asking if I was on the other side, um, and made sure that, you know, during the, the, the VCs, I had the opportunity to say the things that, that I wanted to say and the, the things that I thought were relevant to the role. John, can we, can we just sort of bring you, bring you in on, on that point in terms of the... We've heard from Darren there in, in relation to a, it's in many ways quite a refreshing process. If you were to reflect on it from your perspective, um, when Paul placed you into the role, what, what would your, your sort of takeaway comments be based on your experiences? In a way, I, was, I, I cheated a little bit because I was a bit um, ahead of, of Darren in that the contact with me from Paul came at the end of February. I was actually in Australia. He woke me up in the middle of the night, which was great. There I was sleeping in Melbourne and my phone right. rang next to me. Um, and he said, I've got this opportunity. I was doing some contract work over there. So I managed to get one face-to-face -face interview in before we entered lockdown. So I met a couple of people in JISC's London office um, in a fairly traditional way, you know, across a committee room table, a bit of a chat. Um, but I was at least able to establish a bit of human contact before we went into, into lockdown. And, and as we all know, you pick up those subtleties and nuances when you're in a room with someone that you find harder to pick up over a link, a link like this. But then it moved into, into sort of virtual space. Um, and I had uh, two, three conversations using Zoom and Teams, um, one of which the technology failed on. So that was great. Um, you know, it, we, we had to sort of start again. And, but in a way that gave it a little bit of humor. It was able to lighten the mood a little um, and, and take us into a bit more sort of, you know, the serendipitous chat that you sometimes get but it's harder to get across um, 
you know, a, a, a connection. Um, it, it is hard, I think, to look at, a, at somebody on a screen and, and, and be yourself. Um, I think that's one of the things you've got to discipline yourself to, to be in an interview situation. And I'm sure we'll come on to this when we talk about onboarding as well. Um, and you kind of leave the engagement thinking, well, how did that go? You've not really got any obvious, as soon as the, 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 the screen goes blank, you, know, you can't glance over your shoulder and see if they're, you know, laughing, talking, smiling. How did that go then? You haven't got a, a clue really. You know, one-to-one -one interviews with a panel versus face-to-face, -face, how does it compare? Um, so I think sort of the question is to both of you really in terms of it in, in that respect. So yeah, if we could sort of point that in, in the direction of Darren and sort of what, you, what your thoughts are on that, on that point, Darren. What, what, I, what I've found for that, so, so the preparation is the same, whether it's, for, whether it's for one or for multiple, the only difference is from my perspective, there are more people that you need to research. So, you know, when you're, when you're, meeting, a, when you're meeting a single in, in, interviewer, you just have to make sure you, you sort of read up on that, that, that individual's background. When there's multiple, you've got more to do and you've got to remember um, uh, all of the various aspects of each individual. Uh, that's, that's probably the only difference in terms of, of preparation. Um, what, what, I, what I realized actually during those panel interviews conducted by a VC it, you have to take, you have to slow things down. So you have to take it at a, a pace that allows each panelist the opportunity to ask the questions that they want to ask. And then when I was, when I responded to the questions, I was sort of monitoring the, the, the sort of eye movements of each of the individual panelists, just to make sure that they all understood it or if I could see that one of them either didn't understand it or was thinking about something else, then I'd say, you know, for example, Ross, I can see um, that you have some further questions on that point. Um, you know, how, how can I how can I help help um, uh, clarify? Um, in terms of preparing for for the, the 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 VCs, whether it was an individual or multiple panelists. I just prepared in exactly the same way I would do for a face-to-face -face interview, including how I dressed as well. Um, so most of my interviews that I did um, via VC, I put on a tie um, because you know I, I knew that individuals that were recruiting a CFO expected somebody to turn up in a tie. So I put on a tie, even though I sat in my, my front room, um, and I made sure that you know there was gonna be no interruptions, that there was no distractions in the background, um, and that we could have a conversation that I think that's a really important point and I think um, um, initially uh, when we all went into lockdown we didn't necessarily dress in business attire to start with we were sort of all in, all in the same boat um, and then I suppose we've sort of all adapted this sort of smart casual type uh, <laughs> type routine there's a question here from from Ben Booth that I'd like to to, to direct to, to John if that's possible, John, and that's um, um, in an interim assignment, uh, I find that the chemistry, the, the, the prime sponsor is, is of critical importance. Uh, does the panel feel that the degree of rapport can be established through the virtual process um, and what helps to achieve this? Um, so, which is, you know, a, a really interesting one in terms of how, how you can physically connect with somebody 
uh, on on a virtual interview. Yeah, so if you can, we can fire that over to you, John. That'd be great. It, I think it's a really good question, Ben. That that's key to to feeling comfortable and ultimately being successful in any interview situation, making that connection. Um, you know, because ultimately a lot of these appointments are about about fit. It, it's not about technical competence. It's because you know all the candidates you guys are putting up have got the technical competence. It's the fit. And, and, and how do you measure that fit? Well, you measure that fit through making those connections, generating that, that comfort, that sense of, I could work with her, I could work with him, you know, that, that sort of thing. Um, I think you've got to do it through your personality. And, and I try just to, you know, be open, be honest, be me, because let's be honest, I'm not going to enjoy an, individu- uh, uh, an assignment as an individual unless I can be me. So I'm being me and I'm trying to sort of show what I think are my best sides, my best qualities, but I'm watching as well to see as best you can, what, what, am I, what response am I getting? Am I seeing, you know, evidence of a, of a little smile or, you know, a, a slight kind of rolling of the eyes or a shrug of the shoulder? And, and you can pick that up. And if you get that smile, you can go on, you can say a little bit more. And, and if there's a connection that, you know, is maybe not about the direct question you're being asked, then just be brave enough to follow that if you think it's a positive mm-hmm. cue. Now, from memory, Darren, I think was your first day uh, actually from home, despite the fact that you were, you'd physically yeah. joined the company, which must have been totally alien and something you'd never, <laughs> ever come across. Yeah, I so, mean, uh, yeah, the, 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 this whole experience uh, has been alien um, for me as it, as, as it is, I, I know, for, for many people right now. Um, and what happened during that day was that my IT equipment turned up at, at the home. So the company had organized for me to have a, you know, a laptop and a, and a mobile phone and, and, and a monitor. And, and they sent all of that and it arrived on that day. Um, and when I switched it all on, um, I had all of the access to emails and calendars and the, the, the company um, uh, systems uh, on that first day. Um, and within my inbox, there was a draft sort of induction process that was, was basically a set of meetings. So a list of names and contact details of people that I, I needed to meet. Um, and uh, some of those uh, meetings were already in the, the diary. And I think that that was, a, a, from, from my perspective, a really positive day when I think about the business and I think about Unipart. I'll always remember that, the, you know, that within three days of accepting a role on the first day that I started in the job, somebody or a number of people had already gone to the trouble to make sure that my first day was a positive experience. Um, That onboarding process for you, John, how how have you found it? I was a bit longer. I I accepted the role. There there was then about eight, nine days before I started. But yeah, my laptop arrived, my phone arrived. um, And I I phoned the number that had been given me, which is the help desk in JISC. And, I, and a, a, a wonderful young fellow just, just got me set up. You know, this was about 4 or 4.15 on a Friday afternoon, which gave me a very positive first impression of, of the company. Um, and then my diary had been populated with a range of meetings, all my uh, exec team colleagues and all the 
the guys who were in direct line to me were all in the diary. So, so I was straight away into, you know, that, that, that set of meetings, Ross. Um, and you're right. I mean, um, it meant that I, at one level, was bombarded with information and expectation and, and ideas and thoughts uh, very quickly. At another level, I got a much swifter onboarding experience than I would have had had I had to go to just Bristol office, it's London office, it's Manchester office, etc. So on balance, I think it was probably better. Yes, yeah, yeah. Ross, can I just jump in there, guys? Yes, um, please do. Just a question to John and, and Darren. It's interesting that you both say, um, I think you're both highlighting, you, you, you took a lead and you were proactive in your uh, onboarding and induction process. Um, and it's interesting that you both got quite a lot of information do you think you, I guess, one question is, do you think you've got enough information um, uh, and of the right type? And, and, and do you think there's anything else that you could have done to, to make your induction better, uh, go faster and get you up to speed more quickly, do you think? I think I got too much information, Paul. Okay. Uh, and I think you can overread. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and I, I, I found myself sitting there in an evening looking at multiple PowerPoint presentations that had been used X months ago, cases for this, cases for that. And I eventually thought to myself, do you know, I don't need all this. Uh, I'm conscious, I, I, I met and I'm meeting so many people and yet I haven't met anybody. You know, I, I haven't met anyone. We've not had a coffee together. We've not had a, uh, a beer or, you know, the things that go along with the, the social side of business life sort of hand over to, to Darren and sort of talk very much around the delivery piece because of course the, the onboarding and delivery is is kind of sort of onboarding is the honeymoon period really and of course delivery is of course where you know the the, the proof is in the pudding um, and um, lots of um, people who are in uh, leadership roles often talk about it's uh, creating some serious challenges, not having people face to face. Um, can we sort of talk to you, to talk to you, Darren, about your experiences from that perspective? Yeah. So from a from an onboarding perspective, thinking about delivery, you know, I, I joined the business knowing that there was a board meeting in four weeks' time. From the the point that I joined, um, that I would be that 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 I would be leading in terms of the, the finance presentation. I, I joined the board straight away. Um, I, should have, I should have said that. Uh, so I joined the business on the 16th. I was a board member on the 20th. Um, and I knew that I'd be giving a, a presentation to the board. Um, so from day one, I knew that I had to get my head around the business and the issues and the challenges and the pre previous performance and how that might um, uh, impact the way that I presented the update to to the board. So for me, delivery was almost uh, a, a day one prerequisite. And John, John, in terms of for, from your perspective, how, how have you found it in terms of uh, that uh, that delivery piece? Um, I've not found it a problem where uh, the delivery is with and through the people who are in my direct team. It's more challenging when you're crossing organizational boundaries and you know, you're having to build sort of coalitions of 
support. I mean, the company operates in a relatively collegiate way. Uh, so collegiate in the sense that opinions are sought, valued, uh, seen as a, a major contribution to decision making. Mm -hmm. Not that there's powers of veto or, or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Doing all of that to build to a delivery decision across boundaries remotely means if you're not careful, you're welded to your machine from sort of, you know, the minute you switch it on at whatever time to six, seven o'clock in an evening. But, oh, so delivery is fine, but just a bit more involved and challenging when you're crossing those organizational boundaries, Ross. But John, is there any, you know, there any two or three tips you might give to people to, to kind of mitigate some of the, the Zoom fatigue? Um, I think they're well rehearsed, Paul, you know, and, and I'm sure I, like others, have tried them all, you know, try not to have the back-to-back -back engagements, even if you get 10, 15 minutes between them. Yeah. If you can step outside or, you know, just make a cup of tea, do something different. Um, don't, if it's possible, and it depends on the nature of your business, but don't start too early, don't finish too late, um, you know, compress the kind of engagements over over zoom into what you know is your best time if you've mm -hmm. got that ability clearly sometimes you don't you know it's, and, it's fascinating um, isn't it john because of course we're we're all learning how to how to work how to sort of operate in a in a digital world mm -hmm. and i suppose you know this, as as time goes by we'll get better and better at this um yeah. So how how to how to operate in it in, 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 from a Zoom capacity is, is really critical. Darren, anything else you'd add to that, Darren? Oh, so I, I agree with everything John said. Actually, I was smiling because of uh, of, of that fact. I, I think that um, just to elaborate on a couple of points, what I found is that Zoom or whichever tool you choose to use, but these sort of meetings um, generally for me are becoming more and more transactional. So it's, it's very much about a, a specific topic and getting to the point and you know, getting, getting it done in agreement and then, and then moving on. Um, where, where I think there are gonna be challenges and where we are soon to face challenge, challenges is when the, the nature of the task is more, uh, requires a more cooperative and collegiate approach. So for example, uh, example updating the the, the the business plan or the strategic plan for a longer term and and what you really need to do is sit around a table and do some brainstorming about ideas it's very very hard um to to have those kind of, of kind of interactions in this way you know there's no there's no whiteboard for people to to write on or move post-it notes around and you know you, you haven't got the energy of walking around in a room and and, and sort of getting different perspectives from the room uh, and and I think that it's going for me it's going to be interesting how um, what what evolves in, in terms of that kind of uh, that nature of, of conversation and dialogue that has to happen within businesses. Just, just whilst we're on the subject of, of Zoom calls, because of course we're all spending our lives on Zooms and calls and team calls and so on and so forth. There's a, a, a fascinating question from, from Jane Davies. It says, um, how, how do you both catch up or bump into people ad hoc? Those antidotal conversations that help you understand the culture and influences uh, outside organized meetings on, on Zoom slash Teams. Do you want to throw that to, to, to you, John? 
Yeah, it's a good question, Jane. Um, generally, um, I, I'm quite old fashioned in that I quite like the telephone. Um, um, and and I, I, I bemoan the fact that the, uh, this Zoom culture has kind of almost spelled the, the end of, of, of the phone call. Uh, but I, I keep using my phone. And so, for example, I've had a, some challenging conversations with one of the, the product leads in the company. Um, and I've taken to giving her a call, um, uh, you know, on a mobile. And we've had some fantastic sort of ad hoc conversations on, uh, on the phone that we haven't had when we, you know, had ch chatted about business stuff um, over, over Zoom. The other good thing about the phone, of course, is you can go outside. You know, you can have a walk, wander around your garden or, you know, even further. Crikey, that's a bit brave. Uh, you know, you, but you can you can you can walk about a bit and kill two birds with one stone, get a bit of exercise in, in your legs, and and I, I do miss the phone. What what would your views be on that on that, Darren? Completely agree with John around the use of of, of the mobile phone. Um, it's one of my mantras, you know, that the, the phone is actually for calling me on, not texting me and, and emailing me on. Um, and actually, I think the phone is, bec is becoming the, at the moment, the de facto informal channel. You know, you, you, you don't have to make an appointment. You don't have to, to set up a, 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 call, a, 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 a Zoom meeting. You know, you, you just call people um, uh, on the offhand that you can uh, speak to them for five or 10 minutes about uh, whatever's on your mind. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a big advocate of, of, of the mobile phone. Of, um, tips for building rapport. Uh, remotely, if you were to sort of re reflect on uh, the last X number of weeks, whatever it may be, essentially we're all dealing with uh, big remote workforces, which from a man management perspective is a totally different skill set. Um, on that point, uh, if I can sort of ask yourself, Darren, is there any sort of particular sort of tips that you'd, you'd, you'd give to people in the outside world in terms of what you've learned in, in a short space of time? It's more of a formal approach to, and it's more about building trust actually than rapport. I think rapport is easy to do in person. I think remotely it, it's, more, it's more a case of, of building trust. The way that I do it and the way that I've been doing it remotely is very much based on how I would do things um, ordinarily and how I've, how I've spent my career doing things. Uh, I ask a lot of questions. You know, I, I always... You know, I don't stop until I fully understand um, what we are discussing and, and what the point of the conversation is. Um, and then, you know, show a lot of respect to the people um, that, I'm, that I'm talking to. And then through, over time, uh, demonstrate my understanding uh, of the topic and my, my comp competence in, in, in the subject matter. I think, you know, remotely that works very well. That's worked very well for me over the last couple of months in, in, in the first couple of months in this role. Um, I'm, I'm not sure I've built rapport with anybody, um, but I think that, you know, there's a level of confidence in the business about my ability to do the job. But I, I'm, you know, there's no, there's, there hasn't been any opportunity to socialize or have an informal chat or anything like that. Um, it's all been very much based on the sort of the form, the traditional formal approaches to building trust. 
And John, you, 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 in terms of tips that you could sort of take away from it to sort of, from, from what we've just sort of talked about there in terms of the uh, uh, rapport building. I think that's a really good and honest answer from, from Darren. Um, um, I've taken a lot of calls, a lot of meetings that you might think, well, why has he done that? Um, I've spoken to a lot of people. And, and I think, why do I say that? Because I think sometimes the best induction comes from the unusual suspects as opposed to the usual suspects. Um, you know, you, you, you speak to people who don't normally talk to a managing director and they're pleased to have the opportunity and, and sometimes you just get unexpected commentary. Um, I think you know you're winning when you start getting people wanting to speak to you. So I've had, you know, a number of people seek, can I have 15 minutes with you, John, on this issue? Can I have 10 minutes about that? you know you're winning. Whether I've built rapport, I think Darren's right. That's hard to mm -hmm. know. But I, it feels like I'm building confidence and winning a bit of respect. If I could take from, from both of you just uh, uh, two, two or three sort of takeaway uh, bits of advice that you can give to, to the people on this call. Um, I think it's really important that you do the work. Um, you know, if there are things that, if there's, if there's a job that needs to get done, the most important thing is that, 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 that job gets done. You know, you hit your timelines and you don't give anybody, uh, any opportunity to doubt, um, uh, how you're spending your time. Um, and I think the second thing I would say is just make sure that you're keeping your, your boss, uh, or your, your peers updated on issues that, uh, that you're dealing with or that affect them. Brilliant. And, and John, your, your thoughts? A couple, um, couple, couple of points there in terms of what not to do? Or... Well, three, three, three. I just wrote down three words. Uh, well, well, because I had a bit of thinking time. So thanks, Dave. <laughs> um, um, first one's focus. Um, you know, you're going to work. Remember, you're going to work. You might be in your house, but focus. Um, second one is patience. Um, I think we've all got to remember that the people we're dealing with may not be operating at a hundred percent. You know, they may be homeschooling, they may have elderly, you know, relatives, parents, they may have other pressures. It's, it's hard. So, you know, the, the things that we would normally take for granted, we can't always. So patience. Mm. And the third point was just realism. Um, yep. What does success look like? Um, you know, my, I'm my own biggest critic and I, I suspect we're all similar. Uh, and so if I can't sort something out, I feel I'm failing. Well, hang on a minute. You know, I'm two months in to a new role in an organization I've never visited, you know, with people I've never met. What does success look like? Be realistic. Mm -hmm. on, on the note of, can I uh, hand back over to Sarah? So thank you very much for both of you for all those points. Thank you ever so much, all of you, for your contributions this afternoon. But obviously particularly to Darren and John for providing us with your valuable time. It really is appreciated. Now, we obviously hope this webinar has been of value. We are acutely aware that many of you are with us today because you're either in play or obviously hoping to be reached out to for an interim opportunity. Now, look, we know these times are challenging. So what is critical um, for us and for you, the audience, is please, please, can you make sure that you keep us up to date with your situation and your experience. So anyone on this call who hasn't provided us with a current CV in the past few months, please can you do so? And I'd like to add that anyone with experience and capability, particularly around transformation, change, turnaround, 
please ensure that these are also highlighted in your CV because obviously regardless of function, I think these are the skills which are going to be necessary moving forward. So once again, thank you to all and please stay safe and well. Thank you to everyone who's joined us for this episode of The Interim Leader. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please like, subscribe and follow for more insights from our network of consultants, clients and interim managers. Thank you.